Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Dan Connery Show. Blue collar common sense. Common sense solutions. That's where we have to go if we're going to save our state and save our country. Join the conversation at 321-1310. Toll free at 1-877-235-1310. We, as Americans, have the capacity now, as we've had in the past, to do whatever needs to be done to preserve this last and greatest bastion of freedom. Or hit him up on Facebook and Twitter. Common sense has become... An uncommon commodity. Now, Dan Connery on 1310 WIBA. So I got my popcorn already, and I was just envisioning or fantasizing about the, uh, you know, remember that ominous low contrabass slash uh, euphonium sound coming into the uh, ring with Rocky? Boom, ding, 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 and in this corner, and I'm just, uh, good morning, everybody, Dan Connery show. News Talk 1310 WIPA, glad to be with you on this very, very exciting Thursday. Coming into the uh, testimony of uh, Mr. James Comey, former director of the FBI, will be sitting before the Senate Intelligence Committee today giving his testimony. And if uh, yesterday's testimony is any indication of how today is going to go, I want to watch this. I really do want to watch this because uh, not only do you want to listen, I want to view the body language uh, because uh, the uh, the Democrats on the Senate side yesterday, of course, uh, uh, they are certainly going to be pointed in their questioning. They want to get Donald Trump and undermine the administration and shut the man down and get him impeached. Um, and uh, uh, Kamala Harris, who is a Sacramento girl, uh, she is on the Senate committee and uh, just very, very incredulous, very pointed, and uh, is it, it's a yes or no answer. No, I, I'm not going to give you a yes or no answer. Every one of the uh, panelists who was interviewed yesterday, I really appreciated the fact, nope, no pressure at all, didn't uh, didn't try to uh, marshal me in one direction, didn't try to uh, tell me how to do my job, and, uh, well, tell me the details of your uh, conversation. Yeah, no, don't have to do that. He is, in fact, the president of the United States. Not going to do it. And many people were uh, forecasting that President Trump was going to uh, invoke executive privilege. Uh, That didn't come about. Uh, I'm not saying this administration has got everything worked out. I'm not saying that they're doing everything right. I'm not saying or suggesting that the president, because he's not an attorney, because he's not a a career uh, federal uh, succubus, uh, that, uh, you know, he would know not to say certain things in conversations with uh, uh, certain officials, especially in your position as president of the United States. There's certain things you just can't ask uh, without coming out looking bad on it. And there is no doubt in my mind, Donald J. Trump said to James Comey, hey, come on, he's a good guy, give him a break. Yeah, I, I, it really boils down to that. And this breathless reporting, these competing headlines that were all day yesterday. Oh, yeah, uh, the New York Times and Washington Post literally traded breathless uh, tweets all day long. Oh, Comey's going to thank him. Oh, Comey said he's going to say he, he pushed me. Oh, so, uh, and they just fall to the ground. And uh, once again, 
I, I have a demand today after everything is said and done. And again, we're going to carry this uh, coverage. Uh, as soon as uh, former director James Comey starts to testify, we're going to go to the Fox News coverage. I desperately want to watch this on television today. So, And I know his testimony is going to go pay well into uh, uh, the, the 11 a.m. hour, and uh, Fox News will be covering this. And th- the commentary really won't be worth anything until after this thing is said and done. Because you want to sit, you want to take notes, and you want to really uh, jot down what's going on. Again, if yesterday's a- any indicator what we're going to get today, it was a nothing burger to steal a phrase from Hillary Rodham Clinton. And if there was the appropriate phrase, what does it matter at this point now? Uh, uh, yeah, I think uh, you might hear that one today. It's uh, we got to take a break. It's 47 past the hour, and uh, I haven't even had a chance to say hello to Sean Preble yet today. This is just not right. Hey, Sean, how you doing, pal? Dude, I'm doing well. I'm getting ready. Yeah. Got my popcorn popping as we speak, and we are going to have some uh, interesting conversation. That's for yes, sure. Yes, yes. And, uh, and tomorrow, certainly, uh, we will uh, talk at length of what's going on right now. But uh, we're going to anchor this right up until uh, former director of the FBI, James Comey, sits down. Then we will go to uh, Fox News coverage. And uh, and I desperately want to watch this. And I, I, I like body language while I watch this thing. So I, I don't want to just listen to it. Uh, Dan Connery Show. That's the one and only Sean Preble. News Talk 1310 WIBA. Good morning, Sean Preble. Good morning, Wisconsin. Good morning, Madison. Good morning, America, especially if you're listening on your iHeartRadio app. We will be taking James Comey, uh, Comey's testimony today before the Senate Intelligence Committee. Uh, kind of redundant when you, <laughs> when you kind of roll it out that way, Preble. I, uh, yeah, the Intelligence Committee. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. And uh, do you have any ex- expectations today, Sean? I'm, I'm just curious what your uh, slant uh, is. I, 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 no. No, I, I don't have any. Ex- what I, I <laughs> trying to say? There are expectations. I don't think we're gonna. And I, I think because James Comey is a very, very smart guy, I don't yep. think we're going. He's not going to trip up. He's not. Uh, no, uh, my way. expectations no. as far as what I'm going to garner from it is, I will be interested just to see how it's almost like to me watching a prize fighter is watching how he and and uh, and the lawmakers kind of volley for position and volley yeah. for, you know, and, and that to me is going to be very, very interesting. I think you just described that brilliantly. It's it's going to be a prize fight with uh, some very, very grand master chess moves uh, thrown in in between here. I, I think it's going to be uh, gamesmanship linguistically, legally. Uh, and politically, there are going to be back and forths here that uh, I, I hope some of the sharper uh, members of the United States Senate uh, know how to question. Um, and this is why, you know, I don't do a lot of lawyer bashing, because if you watch a good uh, agent or a detective investigator and attorney uh, go through uh, good questioning, it's really an art form. It really is a fun thing to watch. And I uh, I like to know the answers to all my questions before I walked into an interview room. That's just the way people do it. You know, if you're smart, you 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 have this individual nailed down before they even walk in the room, and um, you should not be too quick to arrest and or detain or, or, or attempt to interview slash interrogate. Uh, don't jump on it. If you know the guy's not a flight risk, hang in there and just talk. Um, 
I, I just think, if anything, go ahead, Sean. I, I think anything, if anything is an indicator, I, I demand all the salaries back that I, I, I you know, from every U.S. Senate, every member of the, and, and I want, I want all that salary back for yesterday. What a waste of time and money. Do you think, though? So? I mean, just just going on the letter that Comey is, uh, pu- you know, his opening statement that's now been made public, I, and I know uh, former FBI Director Robert Mueller is going to look into this, but right. it sounds like and. I, Obstruction of, I mean, it sounds like what the president is asking the FBI to do is to drop this issue. In that, in this that- is this is another moment where Sean Preble and Dan Connery are actually going to be on one side of the aisle together because I think the language was uninformed enough, uh, ignorant. Enough, I hate to say ignorant, but just ignorant of the policies, facts, and the laws that are involved. The commander in chief and the uh, one of his secretaries and/or the director of the FBI. There were certain things. I I guarantee you, you're right about this, Sean. There were certain things that Donald Trump said that he should not have said. There's no doubt about that in my mind. But the fact is, I don't think it reaches a, a, a criminally uh, negligent. And you, you may feel it. He's trying to obstruct. Uh, I think ignorance. Uh, will prevail over uh, nefariousness. I, have I think a, that's where we'll differ. A couple of attorney friends, one made it very, he said, Comey's statement establishes a stu- uh, obstruction of justice by Trump, period. The other one laid out a very, uh, I got to grab it, but he basically, uh, a guy I used to work with who is uh, who's an attorney here in Wisconsin, kind of laid out a scenario and, and basically, he basically said, imagine if somebody's under a criminal investigation going to a cop who's investigating him and demanding the cop's loyalty. Then imagine that same man asked the cop to stop in the investigation. Then that cop refuses to do either. Imagine, uh, he writes, if that man has the power to fire that cop and exercises right. that right. power. And that, uh, and I think and those by are virtue, where the questions come up. And by virtue of the position of power, one can infer he w- was trying to manipulate Comey because he, in fact, held dominion over James Comey. So that's uh, uh, the establishment of... Uh, 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 of the position of power, I think is certainly settled, and uh, and I think goes in your direction here. Uh, and if again, uh, you're right, Comey's not a stupid guy, and he's going to. I, I think he's going to go right up to the line. He's going to do his best to establish intimidation and/or trying to manipulate. Um, and th- this is why people want to watch this. But Sean, you and I agree. Uh, the Fox News countdown clock that started literally 24 <laughs> hours ago. Yes, what the hell are these people doing? Come on, and, guys. And, and to a degree, I get like the countdown clocks. I, I I've seen them, and I know like people on social media use them to promote events. And CNN's yes, been doing yeah. them. Fox's has the tenth of a second. <laughs> I mean, literally every tenth of a second it ticked. It, I mean, it, 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 and I, I, we, you and I were talking I about for the show. I said we're not launching rockets. It's a very safe bet. Rocket science is not involved in this. No. Uh, uh, let's go to Rob. Who um, uh, let's get his take on this. And again, we got a few minutes before we might take some testimony here. We'll keep uh, our eye on that. Uh, Rob, good morning, brother. How are you? Appreciate your time. Oh, Happy Thursday to you. Happy Thursday to you. Yeah. I sat and watched painfully through that. I guess oh, the question it was, it was just know, horrible yesterday. Yeah, I, you know, if they're going to have a secret meeting, why the hell do you even have a public meeting? Why the hell do we need? I mean, they're not telling us anything that they can disclose anyway. So what? Their implication <laughs> is the closed door meeting is classified. Information will be exchanged at the. Closed That's door what meeting. I mean. So uh, yeah. I, I guess it's just a dog. Why bother with show. this one? Yeah, you know. So I, I saw those tickers going yesterday on Fox and MSNBC <laughs> and all the other ones that I shouldn't have been looking at. But know. um, you know, I. I guess the uh, the thing I want to bring up is if this guy is so smart and so uh, great at his job as a director of the FBI, 
he breached what he was supposed to do ethically. He was supposed to report that instantly. That's that why happened. Rob, so that's why I'm saying he's going to skirt the line here. Exactly. And you, you watch his language, like you said, and Dan, you know it. You were in law enforcement. He's going to be using those words that just protect him because exactly. he obviously broke the law himself if he did not self-report what happened. Exactly. Yep. And my second point is I remember all of the uh, the Senate hearings and all the committees that were brought up You know, during the election when Mr. Obama was talking to a certain Russian uh, off. Mike, he thought. And, and, uh, regarding uh, the flexibility to work with uh, Vladimir, yes. <laughs> you I, know, so you want to talk about meddling. I was bringing up Sean. I wonder if that that flexibility maybe had something to do with some dirt that they had on Obama. So I, where is all the outrage? You know, yeah. if, if, you it's know, selective. If and, and it, if it's selective. That, and it, it's, you know, yeah, go ahead. And it, if Trump did this stuff, he... He's not a politician, you know. He's not a lawyer. You're, you you got to use lawyer speak when you're talking to the director of the FBI. You can't right. say certain things. And if he's culpable for it, fine. You, you know, we got to hold him to task for that. But it's just the, it, the selective outrage in this country is just it, that's the thing that really, really bothers yeah. me. Yeah, Trump flies off the cop, you know, the cuff a lot, and he says stuff that makes you cringe. You and I weren't huge Trump supporters in the beginning, but yep, you know, it, it, selective outrage. And, you know, I, you know, and, and I'm. I'm not asking uh, my fellow Americans to manipulate their own thought process and blindly jump on board to support President Trump. But from what I'm seeing thus far, it's a witch hunt. It's a lot of hypocrisy. And, Rob, like you said, a lot of selective outrage that I'm like, you know, OK, fine, I'll play this game with you. Where in the hell were you when when uh, President Obama was doing? Um hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from. From, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. A myriad of things. And sitting in front of uh, Bill O'Reilly and saying, not a smidge of corruption from uh, the IRS. Then you get the testimony from Lois Lerner. I'm really cutely. I'm nice. And I do my hair every day. And I have nice makeup. And I, I, I didn't do anything anything wrong i'm not a criminal oh and by the way i plead the fifth see ya wouldn't want to be ya. and then she runs out of the room it's it's it, it, to me it's a uh, forgive my incredulity here but uh, again and the selective reporting uh taking place the breathless headlines i mean time after time after time uh all day for the last two weeks oh yeah comey's gonna sink him it's unbelievable seriously oh yeah he's gonna uh, and I'm like, all right, what do you got, fellas? Show me the document. Show me the Comey document everybody's been talking about that has never happened. And journalism has literally sold its, sold its own soul, and they did that a long time ago. But the fact, And, Rob, thanks for the call today, pal. Appreciate your time. Uh, they sold their soul uh, to uh, keep forwarding headlines that they in no way, shape, or form created by virtue of high journalistic standards. Well, my friend over there, and she was at the candy store, and she heard the guy talking over there, and she was behind him. So she called me, and she said, girl. And so I called her, and I called her. I was like, oh, it's cray-cray. Let's call the Washington Post. This is literally what what, what is uh, reaching the headlines of major um, internationally respected uh, newspapers. And obviously, the respect, the respect is on a, on a downward trajectory here, but 
you know, I, I hope we get something out of this. But if we don't, I want every salary that's involved with these hearings for the last two days. I want them back in the coffers. Here, give me a check back. Thank you. Have a nice day. And uh, go ahead. Joe. Rob brought up a point that I've heard I've heard brought up before. And, and I guess I haven't heard the answer to this. Do we know that Comey didn't report this request? Do, is there anywhere? Obviously, if it's part Fair of an on, uh, ongoing, he's not just going to slap the handcuffs on the president of the United States and we're going to have charges the next day. If it's part of an investigation. Investigation. The question then is, is, was this filed as, hey, here's what here's what occurred. There may be there may be a law broken here. I, I, I guess I have never heard that that James Comey didn't report any of this stuff. <laughs> so so I, I, I just did the visual. It's making me laugh. It's like <laughs> Comey should have popped up from the table, taken out his gun, freeze <laughs> and, and, and popped, <laughs> popped the cuffs on him. At that and I, I think a, a follow up intelligence report and or uh, a, a complaint um, to DOJ uh, and or the FBI uh, suggesting that we've got to do this. And I know uh, time is flying here. Where yeah, are we at this far? James Comey, uh, he's, he's shaking some hands. He has entered the chambers right now here on 1310 WIBA Madison. He's sitting down, um, getting ready. And as soon as he starts uh, getting some questions, we'll we'll bring it up right then and there. All right. And uh, just uh, if we, Adrian is at ringside right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I just want to say, you know, I, I really like being here. But, you know, Apollo is a really, you know, he's a good fighter and everything, you know. It's unbelievable. And uh, it is what it is today, and we're going to watch it, and we are certainly going to carry this. We are certainly going to uh, uh, chat about this at length uh, tomorrow. Uh, this will probably go into rush, and uh, we will let Sean take it away at this point. This has been the Dan Connery Show, News Talk 1310 WIBA. Sean, take it away, my friend. 1310 WIBA, James Comey, former FBI director, has been seated now in the Senate, and the Intelligence Committee is beginning its question. You'll hear it right now on 1310 WIBA. Part of our mission, beyond the oversight we continue to provide to the intelligence community and its activities, is to investigate Russian interference in the 2016 U.S. elections. The committee's work continues. This hearing represents part of that effort. Jim, allegations have been swirling in the press for the last several weeks, and today's your opportunity to set the record straight. Yesterday, I read with interest your statement for the record, and I think it provides some helpful details surrounding your interactions with the president. It clearly lays out your understanding of those discussions, actions you took following each conversation, and your state of mind. I very much appreciate your candor, and I think it's helpful as we work through to determine the ultimate truth behind possible Russian interference in the 2016 elections. Your statement also provides texture and context to your interactions with the president from your vantage point and outlines a strained relationship. The American people need to hear your side of the story just as they need to hear the president's descriptions of events. These interactions also highlight the importance of the committee's ongoing investigation. Our experienced staff is interviewing all relevant parties and some of the most sensitive intelligence in our country's possession. We will establish the facts, separate from rampant speculation, and lay them out for the American people to make their own judgment. Only then will we, as a nation, be able to move forward and to put this episode to rest. There are several outstanding issues not addressed in your statement that I hope you'll clear up for the American people today. Did the President's request for loyalty 
your impression that that the one-on-one dinner of January 27th was, and I quote, at least in part, an effort to create some sort of patronage relationship, or is March 30th phone call asking uh, what you could do to lift the cloud of Russia investigation in any way, alter your approach of the FBI's investigation into General Flynn, or the broader investigation into Russia and possible links to the campaign? In your opinion... Did potential Russian efforts to establish links with individuals in the Trump orbit rise to the level we could define as collusion, or was it a counterintelligence concern? There's been a significant public speculation about your decision-making related to the Clinton email investigation. Why did you decide publicly uh, to publicly announce FBI's recommendations that the Department of Justice not pursue criminal charges? You have described it as a choice between a bad decision and a worse decision. The American people need to understand the facts behind your action. This committee is uniquely suited to investigate Russia's interference in the 2016 elections. We also have a a unified bipartisan approach to what is a highly charged partisan issue. Russian activities during 2016 election may have been aimed at one party's candidate, but as my colleague Senator Rubio says frequently, In 2018 and 2020, it could be aimed at anyone, at home or abroad. My colleague, Senator Warner, and I have worked worked to stay in lockstep on this investigation. We've had our differences on approach at times, but I've constantly stressed that we need to be a team, and I think Senator Warner agrees with me. We must keep these questions above politics and partisanship, It's too important to be tainted by anyone trying to score political points. With that, again, I welcome you, Director, and I turn to the Vice Chairman for any comments he might have. Well, thank you, Mr. Chairman. And let me start by, again, absolutely thanking all the members of the committee for the seriousness in which they've taken on this task. Mr. Comey, thank you for agreeing to come testify as part of this committee's investigation into Russia. I realize that this hearing has been obviously the focus of a lot of Washington in the last few days. But the truth is many Americans who may be tuning in today probably haven't focused on every twist and turn of the investigation. So I'd like to briefly describe, at least from this senator's standpoint, what we already know and what we're still investigating. To be clear, this investigation is not about relitigating the election. It's not about who won or lost, and it sure as heck is not about Democrats versus Republicans. We're here because a foreign adversary attacked us right here at home, plain and simple, not by guns or missiles, but by foreign operatives seeking to hijack our most important democratic process, our presidential election. Russian spies engaged in a series of online cyber raids and a broad campaign of disinformation, all ultimately aimed at sowing chaos to undermine public faith in our process, in our leadership, and ultimately in ourselves. And that's not just this senator's opinion. It is the unanimous determination of the entire U.S. intelligence community. 
So we must find out the full story. What the Russians did, and candidly, as some other colleagues have mentioned, why they were so successful. And more importantly, we must determine the necessary steps to take to protect our democracy and ensure they can't do it again. Chairman mentioned elections in 2018 and 2020. In my home state of Virginia, we have elections this year in 2017. Simply put, we cannot let anything or anyone prevent us from getting to the bottom of this. Now, Mr. Comey, let me say at the outset, we haven't always agreed on every issue. In fact, I've occasionally questioned some of the actions you've taken. But I've never had any reason to question your integrity, your expertise, or your intelligence. You've been a straight shooter with this committee and have been willing to speak truth to power, even at the risk of your own career, which makes the way in which you were fired by the President ultimately shocking. Recall we began this entire process with the President and his staff first denying that the Russians were ever involved and then falsely claiming that no one from his team was ever in touch with any Russians. We know that's just not the truth. Numerous Trump associates had undisclosed contacts with Russians before and after the election, including the President's Attorney General, his former National Security Advisor, and his current senior advisor, Mr. Kushner. That doesn't even begin to count the host of additional campaign associates and advisors who've also been caught up in this massive web. We saw Mr. Trump's campaign manager, Mr. Manafort, forced to step down over ties to Russian-backed entities. The National Security Advisor, General Flynn, had to resign over his lies about engagements with the Russians. And we saw the candidate himself express an odd and unexplained affection for the Russian dictator while calling for the hacking of his opponent. There's a lot to investigate. Enough, in fact, that then-Director Comey publicly acknowledged that he was leading an investigation into those links between Mr. Trump's campaign and the Russian government. As the director of the FBI, Mr. Comey was ultimately responsible for conducting that investigation, which might explain why you're sitting now as a private citizen. What we didn't know was at the same time that this investigation was proceeding, the president himself appears to have been engaged in an effort to influence or at least co-opt the director of the FBI. The testimony that Mr. Comey has submitted for today's hearing is very disturbing. For example, on January 27th, after summoning Director Comey to dinner, the president appears to have threatened the director's job while telling him, quote, I need loyalty. I expect loyalty. At a later meeting on February 14th, the president asked the attorney general to leave the Oval Office so that he could privately ask Director Comey, again, quote, to see way clear to letting Flynn go. That is a statement that Director Comey interpreted as a, as a request that he drop the investigation connected to General Flynn's false statements. Think about it. The President of the United States asking the FBI director to drop. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. An ongoing investigation. And after that, the president called the FBI director on two additional occasions, March 30th and April 11th, and asked him again, quote, to lift the cloud on the Russian investigation. Now, Director Comey denied each of these improper requests. The loyalty pledge, the admonition to drop the Flynn investigation, the request to lift the cloud on the Russian investigation. Of course, after his refusals, Director Comey was fired. The initial explanation for the firing didn't pass any smell tests. Somehow, Director Comey was fired because he didn't treat Hillary Clinton appropriately. Of course, that explanation lasted about a day because the president himself then made very clear that he was thinking about Russia when he decided to fire Director Comey. Shockingly, reports suggest that the president admitted as much in an Oval Office meeting with the Russians the day after Director Comey was fired. Disparaging our country's top law enforcement official as a quote-unquote nut job, the president allegedly suggested that his firing relieved great pressure on his feelings about Russia. This is not happening in isolation. At the same time the president was engaged in these efforts with Director Comey, he was also, at least allegedly, asking senior leaders of the intelligence community to downplay the Russian investigation or to intervene with the director. Yesterday, we had DNI Director Coates and NSA Director Admiral Rogers, who were offered a number of opportunities to flatly deny those press reports. They expressed their opinions, but they did not take that opportunity to deny those reports. They did not take advantage of that opportunity. In my belief, that's not how the President of the United States should behave. Regardless of the outcome of our investigation into the Russia links, Director Comey's firing and his testimony raise separate and troubling questions that we must get to the bottom of. Again, as I said at the outset, I've seen firsthand how seriously every member of this committee is taking his work. I'm proud of the committee's efforts so far. But let me be clear. This is not a witch hunt. This is not fake news. It is an effort to protect our country from a new threat that quite honestly will not go away anytime soon. So Mr. Comey, your testimony here today will help us move towards that goal. I look forward to that testimony. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Vice Chairman. Uh, Director, as discussed when you agreed to appear before the committee, it would be under oath. I'd ask you to please stand, raise your right hand. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Please be seated. Director Comey, you're now under oath. And I would uh, just note to members, you will be recognized by seniority for a period up to seven minutes. 
And again, it is the intent to move to a closed session no later than 1 p.m. With that, Director Comey, you are recognized. You have the floor for as long as you might need. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Ranking Member Warner, members of the committee, thank you for inviting me here to testify today. I've submitted my statement for the record, and I'm not going to repeat it here this morning. I thought I would just offer some very brief introductory remarks, and then I would welcome your questions. When I was appointed FBI director in 2013, I understood that I served at the pleasure of the president. Even though I was appointed to a 10-year term, which Congress created in order to underscore the importance of the FBI being outside of politics and independent, I understood that I could be fired by a president for any reason or for no reason at all. And on May the 9th, when I learned that I had been fired, for that reason, I immediately came home as a private citizen. But then the explanations, the shifting explanations, confused me and increasingly concerned me. They confused me because the president and I had had multiple conversations about my job, both before and after he took office. And he had repeatedly told me I was doing a great job and he hoped I would stay. And I had repeatedly assured him that I did intend to stay and serve out the remaining six years of my term. He told me repeatedly that he had talked to lots of people about me, including our current attorney general, and had learned that I was doing a great job and that I was extremely well-liked by the FBI workforce. So it confused me when I saw on television the president saying that he actually fired me because of the Russia investigation and learned again from the media that he was telling privately other parties that my firing had relieved great pressure on the Russia investigation. I was also confused by the initial explanation that was offered publicly that I was fired because of the decisions I had made during the election year. That didn't make sense to me for a whole bunch of reasons, including the time and all the water that had gone under the bridge since those hard decisions that had to be made. That didn't make any sense to me. And although the law required no reason at all to fire an FBI director, the administration then chose to defame me and, more importantly, the FBI by saying that the organization was in disarray that it was poorly led, that the workforce had lost confidence in its leader. Those were lies, plain and simple. And I am so sorry that the FBI workforce had to hear them, and I'm so sorry that the American people were told them. I worked every day at the FBI to help make that great organization better. And I say help because I did nothing alone at the FBI. There are no indispensable people at the FBI. The organization's great strength is that its values and abilities run deep and wide. The FBI will be fine without me. The FBI's mission will be relentlessly pursued by its people, and that mission is to protect the American people and uphold the Constitution of the United States. I will deeply miss being part of that mission, but this organization and its mission will go on long beyond me and long beyond any particular administration. I have a message before I close for the, my former colleagues of the FBI. But at first, I want the American people to know this truth. The FBI is honest. The FBI is strong. And the FBI is and always will be independent. And now to my former colleagues, if I may. I am so sorry that I didn't get the chance to say goodbye to you properly. It was the honor of my life to serve beside you. 
to be part of the FBI family, and I will miss it for the rest of my life. Thank you for standing watch. Thank you for doing so much good for this country. Do that good as long as ever you can. And, Senators, I look forward to your questions. Director, thank you for that uh, testimony, both uh, oral and the written testimony that you provided to the committee yesterday and made public uh, to uh, the American people. Chair would recognize himself uh, first for 12 minutes, vice chair for 12 minutes, based upon the agreement we have. Director, did the special counsel's office review and or edit your written testimony? No. Do you have any doubt that Russia attempted to interfere in the 2016 elections? None. Do you have any doubt that the Russian government was behind the intrusions in the DNC and the DCCC systems and the subsequent leaks of that information? No, no doubt. Do you have any doubt that the Russian government was behind the cyber intrusion into state voter files? No. Do you have any doubt that officials of the Russian government were fully aware of these activities? No doubt. Are you confident that no votes cast in the 2016 presidential election were altered? I'm confident. By the time when I left as director, I had seen no indication of that whatsoever. Director Comey, did the president at any time ask you to stop the FBI investigation into Russian involvement in the 2016 U.S. elections? Not to my understanding, no. Did any individual working for this administration, including the Justice Department, ask you to stop the Russian investigation? No. Director, when the president requested that you, and I quote, let Flynn go, General Flynn uh, had an unreported contact with the Russians, which is an offense. And if press accounts are right, there might have been discrepancies between facts and his FBI testimony. In your estimation, was General Flynn at that time in serious legal jeopardy? And in addition to that, do you sense that the president was trying to obstruct justice or just seek um, for a way for Mike Flynn to save face, given he had already been fired? General Flynn at that point in time was in legal jeopardy. There was an open FBI criminal investigation of his statements in connection with the Russian contacts and the contacts themselves. And so that was my assessment at the time. Uh, I don't think it's for me to say whether the conversation I had with the president was an effort to obstruct. I took it as a very disturbing thing, very concerning, but that's a conclusion I'm sure the special counsel will work towards to try and understand what the intention was there and whether that's an offense. Director, is it possible that as part of this FBI investigation, the FBI could find evidence of criminality that is not tied to the 2016 elections, possible collusion, or coordination with Russians? Sure. So there could be something that just fits a criminal aspect to this that doesn't have anything to do with the 2016 election cycle. Correct. In any complex investigation, when you start turning over rocks, sometimes you find things that are unrelated to the primary investigation that are criminal in nature. Director Comey, you have been criticized publicly for the decision to present your findings on the email investigation directly to the American people. Have you learned anything since that time 
that would have changed what you said or how you chose to inform the American people? Honestly, no. I mean, it caused a whole lot of personal pain for me. But as I look back, given what I knew at the time and even what I've learned since, I think it was the best way to try and protect the justice institution, including the FBI. In the public uh, domain is this question of the Steele dossier, uh, a document that has been around now for over a year. Uh, I'm not sure when the FBI first took possession of it, but the media had it before you had it and we had it. Uh, At the time of your departure from the FBI, was the FBI able to confirm any criminal allegations contained in the Steele document? Mr. Chairman, I don't think that's a question I can answer in an open setting because it goes into the details of the investigation. Um, Director, the term we hear most often is collusion. When people are describing possible links between Americans and Russian government entities related to the interference in our election, Would you say that it's normal for foreign governments to reach out to members of an incoming administration? Yes. At what point does the normal contact cross the line into an attempt to recruit agents or influence or spies? Difficult to say in the abstract. It depends upon the context, whether there's an effort to keep it covert, what the nature of the requests made of the American by the foreign government are. It's It's a judgment call based on a whole lot of facts. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At what point would that recruitment become a counterintelligence threat to our country? Again, difficult to answer in the abstract, but when, when a foreign power is using especially coercion or um, some sort of pressure to try and co-opt an American, especially a government official, to act on its behalf, that's a serious concern to the FBI and at the heart of the FBI's counterintelligence mission. So if you've got uh, a 36-page document of, of specific claims that are out there, the FBI would have to, for counterintelligence reasons, try to verify uh, anything that might be claimed in there. One, and probably first and foremost, is the counterintelligence concerns that we have about blackmail. Would that be an accurate statement? Yes. If the FBI receives a credible allegation that there is some effort to co-op, coerce, direct, uh, employ covertly an American on behalf of the foreign power, that's the basis on which a counterintelligence investigation is open. And when you read the dossier, uh, what was your reaction, given that it was 100 percent directed at the president-elect? Not a question I can answer in an open setting, Mr. Chairman. Okay. When did you become aware of the cyber intrusion? The first cyber, there's all kinds of cyber intrusions going on all the time. The first Russia-connected cyber intrusion uh, I became aware of in the late summer of 2015. And 
in that time frame, there were more than the DNC and the DCCC that were targets. Correct. There was a massive effort to target government and non-governmental, near-governmental agencies like uh, nonprofits. What would be the estimate of how many entities out there the Russians specifically targeted in that time frame? It's hundreds. I suppose it could be more than a thousand, but it's at least hundreds. When did you become aware that data had been exfiltrated? I'm not sure exactly. I think either late 15 or early 16. And did, did you, the director of the FBI, have conversations with the last administration about the risk that this posed? Yes. And share with us, if you will, what actions they took. Well, the FBI had already undertaken an effort to notify all the victims, and that's what we consider the entities that were attacked as part of this massive spear phishing campaign. And so we notified them in an effort to disrupt what might be ongoing. And then there was a series of continuing interactions with entities through the rest of 15 into 16. And then throughout 16, the administration was trying to decide how to respond to the intrusion activity that it saw. And the FBI, in this case, unlike other cases that you might investigate, did you ever have access to the actual hardware that was hacked, or did you have to rely on a third party uh, to provide you the data that they had collected? In the case of the DNC, and I believe the DCCC, but I'm sure the DNC, we did not have access to the devices themselves. We got... uh, relevant forensic information from a private party, a a high-class entity that had done the work, but we didn't get direct access. But no content? Correct. Um, Isn't content an important part of the forensics uh, from a counterintelligence standpoint? It is, although what was briefed to me by my folks, the people who were my folks at the time, is that they had gotten the information from the private party that they needed to understand the intrusion by the spring of 2016. Let me go back, if I can, very briefly, to the decision to publicly go out with your results on the email. Was your decision influenced by the Attorney General's tarmac meeting with the former President Bill Clinton? Yes, in in a ultimately uh, conclusive way. That was the thing that capped it for me, that I had to do something separately to protect the credibility of the investigation, which meant both the FBI and the Justice Department. Were there other things that contributed to that that you can describe in an open session? There were other things that contributed to that. Um, One significant item I can't, I know the committee's been briefed on. There's been some public accounts of it, which are nonsense, but I understand the committee's been briefed on the classified facts. Probably the only other consideration... But I guess I can talk about an open setting is that at one point the attorney general had directed me not to call it an investigation, but instead to call it a matter, which confused me and concerned me. But that was one of the bricks in the load that led me to conclude I have to step away from the department if we're to close this case credibly. Director, my last question. Uh, you're not only a seasoned prosecutor. Um, you've led the FBI for years. You understand the investigative uh, process. You've worked with this committee closely, and we're grateful to you because I think we've we've mutually built trust 
in what your organization does and, and what we do. Is there any doubt in your mind that this committee can carry out its oversight role in the 2016 Russian involvement in the elections in parallel with the now special counsel that's been set up? No, no doubt. It can be done. It requires lots of conversations. But Bob Mueller is one of this country's great, great pros, and I'm sure you all will be able to work it out with him to run it in parallel. I want to thank you once again. I want to turn to the vice chairman. 1310 WIBA, you are listening to coverage of the Senate Intelligence Committee, talking with former FBI Director James Comey. We'll continue our coverage here on 1310 WIBA. 938-1310-WIBA, continuing coverage of the Senate Intelligence Committee, talking with former FBI Director James Comey, right now Senator Warner from West Virginia, talking with the former director of the FBI. Read that contemporaneous rendition so that we've got your side of the story. Now, I know members have said and press have said um, that if you were a great deal has been made of whether the president you are asked to, in effect, indicate whether the president was the subject of any investigation. And my understanding is prior to your meeting on January 6th, you discussed with your leadership team whether or not you should be prepared to assure then-President-elect Trump that the FBI was not investigating him personally. Now, my understanding is your leadership team agreed with that, but was that a unanimous decision? Was there any debate about that? wasn't unanimous. Um, one of the members of the leadership team had a view that although it was technically true, we did not have a counterintelligence file case open on then-President-elect Trump. His concern was because we're looking at the potential, again, that's the subject of the investigation, coordination between the campaign and Russia, because it was President Trump, President-elect Trump's campaign, this person's view was inevitably his behavior, his conduct, will fall within the scope of that work. And so he was reluctant to make the statement that I made. I disagreed. I thought it was fair to say what was literally true. There is not a counterintelligence investigation of Mr. Trump. And I decided in the moment to say it, given the nature of our conversation. At that moment in time, did you ever revisit that as uh, in, in these subsequent sessions? With the FBI leadership the team? team? Sure. Team. And, and uh, the, the leader had that view. It didn't change. Uh, his view was still that it was probably, although literally true, his concern was it could be misleading because the nature of the investigation was such that it might well touch, obviously it would touch the campaign, and the person at the head of the campaign would be the candidate. And so that was his view throughout. Let me move to the January 27th dinner where you said – Quote, the president began by asking me whether I wanted to stay on as FBI director. He also indicated that lots of people, again, your words, wanted the job. You go on to say that the dinner itself was seemingly an effort to, quote, to have you ask him for your job and create some sort of, quote, unquote, patronage relationship. The president seems, from my reading of your memo, to be holding your job or your possibility of continuing in your job over your head in a fairly direct way. Uh, what was your impression and what did you mean by this notion of a patronage relationship? Well, it, my impression, and again, it's my impression, I could always be wrong, but my common sense told me that what was going on is either he had concluded or someone had told him that you didn't, you've already asked Comey to stay and you didn't get anything for it. 
and that the dinner was an effort to build a relationship, in fact, he asked specifically, of loyalty in the context of asking me to stay. And as I said, what was odd about that is we'd already talked twice about it by that point, and he'd said, uh, I very much hope you'll stay, I hope you'll stay. In fact, I just remembered sitting here a third one. When You've seen the picture of me walking across the blue room, um, and uh, what the president whispered in my ear was, I really look forward to working with you. So after those encounters... And that was just a few days before you were fired. Yeah, that was on the, 20, the Sunday after the inauguration. The next Friday, I have dinner, and the president begins by wanting to talk about my job. And so I'm sitting there thinking, wait a minute, three times we've already, you've already asked me to stay or talked about me staying. My common sense, again, I could be wrong, but my common sense told me what's going on here is he's looking to get something in exchange for granting my request to stay in the job. Again, we all understand. I was a governor. I had people work for me. But this constant request, and again, quoting you, uh, him saying that he, uh, despite you explaining your independence, he kept coming back to, I need loyalty. I expect loyalty. Uh, Had you ever had any of those kind of requests before from anyone else you'd worked for in the government? No. And what made me uneasy was, I'm, at that point, the director of the FBI. The reason that Congress created a 10-year term is so that the director is not feeling as if they're serving at, with political loyalty owed to any particular person. The, the Statue of Justice has a blindfold on because you're not supposed to be peeking out to see whether your patron is pleased or not with what you're doing. It should be about the facts and the law. That's why I was... That's why I became FBI director, to, to be in that kind of position. So that's why I was so uneasy. Well, let me, let me move on. My time's running out. February 14th, again, it seems a bit strange. You were in a meeting, and your direct superior, the attorney general, was in that meeting as well. Yet the president asked everyone to leave, including the attorney general to leave, before he brought up the matter of General Flynn. Um, what was your impression of that type of action. Have you ever seen anything like that before? No. My impression was something big is about to happen. I need to remember every single word that is spoken. Uh, And again, I could be wrong, but I'm 56 years old. I've been uh, seen a few things. My sense was the attorney general knew uh, he shouldn't be leaving, which is why he was lingering. And I don't know Mr. Kushner well, but I think he picked up on the same thing. Uh, And so I knew something was about to happen that I needed to pay very close attention to. And I, I found it very interesting that in the memo that you wrote after this February 14th pull aside, you made clear that you wrote that memo in a way that was unclassified. Uh, if you affirmatively made the decision to write a memo that was unclassified, was that because you felt at some point the facts of that meeting would have to come clean and come clear and actually be able to be cleared in a way that could be shared with the American people? Well, I remember thinking this is a very disturbing development, really important to our work. I need to document it and preserve it in a way, and and, uh, this committee gets this, but sometimes when things are classified, it tangles them up. It's hard to share it within an investigative team. You have to be very careful about how you handle it for good reason. So my thinking was, if I write it in such a way that I don't include anything that would trigger a classification. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That'll make it easier for us to discuss within the FBI and the government and to, to hold on to it in a way that makes it accessible to us. Well, again, it's our hope, uh, particularly since you pretty knowledgeable guy and you wrote this in a way that was unclassified, that this committee will get access to that unclassified document. I think it would be very important to our investigation. Um, let me just ask this in closing. How many um, ongoing investigations at any time does the FBI have? Oh, going ten, on some, tens of thousands. Tens of thousands. Um, did the president ever ask about any other investi- ongoing investigation? No. Did he ever ask about you trying to interfere on any other investigation? No. Um, I think, again, this speaks volumes. This doesn't even get to the questions around the, the phone calls about lifting the cloud. Uh, I know other members will get to that, but uh, I really appreciate your testimony and appreciate your service to our nation. Thank you, Senator Warren. You know, I just... Uh, I'm sitting here going through my contacts with him. I had one conversation with the president that was classified where he asked about our an ongoing um, intelligence investigation. It was brief and entirely professional. But he didn't ask you to take any specific action on that, unlike what he had done vis-a-vis Mr. Flynn and the overall Russia investigation. Correct. Thank you, sir. Senator Rich. 1310 WIBA continuing coverage of uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee talking with former FBI Director James Comey. Dan, what's your take so far? Um, I think you hit the nail on the head during a private conversation. Uh, clearly, Mr. Comey is very angry. I, uh, we were told after certain uh, incidents that Mr. Comey was a copious note taker, yet we've determined that Mr. Comey just, uh, Comey felt that it was the Trump administration he was most concerned about and that he obviously had no trust, uh, for these individuals and the, and the hackles stood up investigatively. As he just pointed out, he's 56, he's been around the block. Um, I have a problem with, with the historical explanation of the uh, the note taking. Uh, if you look at the uh, the Obama administration, there were numerous occasions where my hackles were raised investigatively. Yet there's no notes from that aspect of this. Uh, there was a personal dislike. I think there's a personal beef here that we'll certainly see something flesh out. And again. Uh, this is not a sophisticated president or a sophisticated legal mind and a, a man of policy. I have yet to hear the uh, uh, the other shoe drop as far as criminal activity is of yet. And, uh, Sean, I think some of your uh, uh, take on this is pretty accurate. I mean, we might disagree on mm-hmm. uh, the veracity of uh, statements being made. But, uh, it, again, skirting the line linguistically, coming up to uh, to the edge, but not jumping off. But I, I, I think you're right. There was no trust for this administration at all. Yeah, Comey. he's and Comey has used one in his opening statement, and then once uh, during questioning, he's used the term lie. And, and, yes, and that was very called, powerful. Yeah, some of the comments that the president made um, lies about the uh, FBI and, and how it was right. led, and then also talking about, about concern about him lying about those meetings. So um, uh, another senator getting ready to ask some questions. We'll take a quick break, and then we will rejoin the Senate Intelligence Committee as Uh, as uh, former FBI Director James Comey uh, testifies here on 1310 WIBA. 1310 WIBA, listening to former Director James Comey's testimony before the Senate Intelligence Committee. Uh, California Democrat Dianne Feinstein now asking questions. About 
his request that you pledge loyalty and your response to that and what impact you believe that had? I, I don't know for sure because I don't know the president well enough to read him well. I think it was because our relationship didn't get off to a great start given the conversation yes. I had to have on January 6th. This was not uh, this didn't improve the relationship because it was very, very awkward. He was asking for something and I was refusing to give it. But again, I don't know him well enough to know how he reacted to that exactly. Do you believe the Russia investigation played a role? In why I was fired? Yes. Yes, because I've seen the okay. president say so. Um, let's let's uh, go to the Flynn issue. Um, uh, Senator Reich outlined, uh, I, I hope you could see your way to letting Flynn go. He's a good guy. I hope you can let this go. But you also said in your written remarks, and I quote, that you had understood the president to be requesting that we drop any investigation of Flynn in connection with false statements about his conversations with the Russian ambassador in December, end quote. Please go into that with more detail. Well, the, the context and the president's words are what led me to that conclusion. As I said in my statement, I could be wrong, but Flynn had been forced to resign the day before. And, and the controversy around General Flynn at that point in time was centered on whether he had lied to the vice president about the nature of his conversations with the Russians, whether he had been uh, candid with others in the course of that. And so that happens on the day before. On the 14th, the president makes specific reference to that. And so that's why I understood him to be saying that what he wanted me to do was drop any investigation connected to Flynn's account of his conversations with the Russians. Now, here's the question. You're big, you're strong. I know the Oval Office, and I know uh, what happens to people when they walk in. There is a certain amount of intimidation. But why didn't you stop and say, Mr. President, this is wrong. I cannot discuss this with you. It's a great question. Maybe if I were stronger, I would have. I was so stunned by the conversation that I just took it in. And the only thing I could think to say, because I was playing in my mind, because I was going to remember every word he said, I was playing in my mind, what should my response be? And that's why I very carefully chose the words. And look, I, I've seen the tweet about tapes. Lordy, I hope there are tapes. I, I remember saying, I agree he's a good guy, as a way of saying I'm not agreeing with what you just asked me to do. Again, maybe other people would be stronger in that circumstance, but that, that was, uh, that's how I conducted myself. I, I hope I'll never have another opportunity. Maybe if I did it again, I would do it better. Uh, you described two phone calls that you received from President Trump, one on March 30 and one on April 11, where he, quote, described the Russia investigation as a cloud that was impairing his ability, end quote, as president, and asked you, quote, to lift the cloud, end quote. What, how did you interpret that? And what did you believe he wanted you to do? I interpreted that as he was frustrated that the Russia investigation was taking up so much time and energy. I, I think he meant of the executive branch, but in the, in the public square in general. And it was making it difficult for him to focus on other priorities of his. 
But what he asked me was actually narrower than that. So I think what he meant by the cloud, and again, I could be wrong, but what I think he meant by the cloud was the entire investigation is, is taking up oxygen and making it hard for me to focus on the things I want to focus on. The ask was to get it out that I, the president, am not personally under investigation. After um, April 11th, did he ask you more ever about the Russia investigation? Did he ask you any questions? We never spoke again after April 11th. You're listening to live coverage of former FBI Director James Comey's testimony before the Senate Intelligence Committee, 1310 WIBA Madison. That was kind of a slightly cowardly way of trying to avoid telling him we're not going to do that, that I would see what we could do. It was a way of kind of uh, getting off the phone, frankly. And then I turned and handed it to the acting Deputy Attorney General, Mr. Bente. So I wanted to go into that. Who did you talk with about that? Uh, lifting the cloud, stopping the investigation back at the FBI, and what was their response? Well, the FBI, during one of the two conversations, I'm not remembering exactly, I think the first, my chief of staff was actually sitting in front of me and heard my end of the conversation because the president's call was a surprise. Uh, And I discussed the lifting the cloud and the request with the senior leadership team, who in in, a Typically, and I think in all these circumstances, was the deputy director, my chief of staff, the general counsel, the deputy director's chief counsel, and I think um, in a number of circumstances, the number three in the FBI, and a few of the conversations included the head of the national security branch. So that group of us that lead the FBI when it comes to national security. Okay. You have the president of the United States asking you to stop an investigation that's an important investigation. What was the response of your colleagues? I think they were as shocked and troubled by it as I was. Um, Some said things that led me to believe that. I don't remember exactly, but the reaction was similar to mine. They're all experienced people who had never experienced such a thing. So they were very concerned. And then the conversation turned to about, so what should we do with this information? And that was a struggle for us. Uh, because we are the leaders of the FBI, so it's been reported to us in that I heard it and now I've shared it with the leaders of the FBI. Our, Our conversation was, should we share this with any senior officials at the Justice Department? Our, our absolute primary concern was, we can't infect the investigative team. We don't want the agents and analysts working on this to know the President of the United States has, has asked, and when it comes to the President, I took it as a direction, to get rid of this investigation because we're not going to follow that that request. And so we decided we got to keep it away from our troops, but is there anybody else we ought to tell at the Justice Department? And as I laid out in my in my statement, we considered whether to tell the Attorney General, decided that didn't make sense because we believed, rightly, that he was shortly going to recuse. There were no other Senate-confirmed leaders in the Justice Department at that point. The Deputy Attorney General was Mr. Bente, who was acting and going to be shortly in that seat. And we decided the best move would be to hold it, keep it in a box, document it, as we had already done, and then this investigation is going to go on, figure out what to do with it down the road. Is there a way to corroborate this? Our view at the time was, look, it's your word against the President's. There's no way to corroborate this. That My view of that changed when the prospect of tapes was raised, but that's how we thought about it then. 
Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Senator Rubio. Thank you. Uh, Director Comey, uh, the meeting in the Oval Office where he made the request about uh, Mike Flynn, was that the only time he asked you to hopefully let it go? Yes. And in that meeting, uh, as you understood it, that was, he was asking not about the general Russia investigation. He was asking very specifically about the jeopardy that Flynn was in himself. That's how I understood it, yes, sir. And as you perceived it, while it was a request that you hoped you did away with it, you perceived it as an order, given his position, the setting, and the like, and the, some of the circumstances. Yes. Uh, at the time, did you say anything to the president about that is not an appropriate request, or did you tell the White House counsel that is not an appropriate request? Someone needs to go tell the president that he can't do these things? I didn't, no. Okay. Why? I don't know. I think, the, as I said earlier, I think the circumstances were such that it was, I was a bit stunned and didn't have the presence of mind. And I don't know, you know, I don't want to uh, uh, make you sound like I'm Captain Courageous. I don't know whether you would have had the presence of mind. I would have said to the president, sir, that's wrong. I don't know whether I would have. Okay. But in the moment, it, it, didn't, it didn't come to my mind. What came to my mind is be careful what you say. And so I said, I agree Flynn is a good guy. So on the cloud, we keep talking about this cloud. You perceive the cloud to be the Russian investigation in general. Yes, sir. But his specific ask was that you would tell the American people what you had already told him, what you had already told the leaders of Congress, both Democrats and Republicans, that he was not personally under investigation. Yes, sir. That's In fact, how he I was asking you to do what you have done here today. Correct. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, and again, at that setting, did you say to the president that it would be inappropriate for you to do so and then talk to the White House counsel or anybody so hopefully they Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I would talk to him and tell him that he couldn't do this. First time I said, I'll see what we can do. Second time I explained how it should work, that the White House counsel should contact the deputy attorney general. You told him the president said, "Okay, then I think that's what I'll do. And just to be clear, for you to make a public statement that he was not under investigation would not have been illegal. But you felt it made no sense because it could potentially create a duty to correct if circumstances changed. Yes, sir. We wrestled with it before my testimony where I confirmed uh, that there was an investigation and there were two primary concerns. One was it creates a duty to correct, which I've lived before, and you want to be very careful about doing that. And second, it's a slippery slope because if we say the president and the vice president aren't under investigation, what's the principled basis for for stopping? Okay. And so I'll the leadership at, at Justice, acting Attorney General Bente, said you're not going to do that. Now, on March 30th, during the phone call about uh, General Flynn, you said he abruptly shifted and brought up something that you call, quote unquote, the McCabe thing. Specifically, the McCabe thing, as you understood it, was that McCabe's wife had received campaign money from what I assume means Terry McAuliffe. Yes, sir. That was very close to the Clintons. And uh, and so why did you had the president at any point in time expressed to you concern, opposition, potential opposition to McCabe? I don't like this guy because he got money from someone that's close to Clinton. He had asked me during previous conversations about Andy McCabe and said, in essence, how's he going to be with me as president? I was pretty rough on him on the campaign trail. He was rough on McCabe. He was rough by his own account. He said he was rough on McCabe and Mrs. McCabe 
uh, on the campaign trail. How's he going to be? And I assured the president, Andy is a total pro. Um, the, no issue at all. You've got to know the people of the FBI. They are not. So, the, uh, so then the president turns to you and says, remember, I never brought up the McCabe thing um, because you said he was a good guy. Did you perceive that to be a statement that um, I took care of you? I, I didn't do something because you told me he was a good guy. So now, you know, I'm asking you potentially for something in return. Is that how you perceived it? I wasn't sure what to make of it, honestly. That's possible. But it, it, it was so out of context that I didn't have a clear view of what it was. Now, on a number of occasions here, you bring up, let's talk now about the general Russia investigation, okay? In page six of your testimony, you say, um, the first thing you say is, he asked what we could do to, quote, unquote, lift the cloud, the general Russia investigation, and you responded that we were investigating the matter as quickly as we could and that there would be great benefit if we didn't find anything to having done the work well, and he agreed, he reemphasized the problems it was causing him, but he agreed. So in essence, the president agreed with your statement that it would be great if we could have an investigation. All the facts came out, and we found nothing. So he agreed that that would be ideal, but this cloud is still messing up my ability to do the rest of my agenda. Is that an accurate assessment? of? Yes, sir. He actually went farther than that. He, he said, and if some of my satellites did something wrong, it would be good to find that out. Well, that's the second part, and that is the satellites. He said, if one of my satellites, I imagine by that he meant some of the other people surrounding his campaign did something wrong, it would be great to know that as well. Yes, sir. That's what he said. So are those the, other, are those the only two instances in which that sort of back and forth happened where the president was basically saying, and I'm paraphrasing here, it's okay, do the Russia investigation. I hope it all comes out. I have nothing to do with anything Russia. Uh, it'd be great if it all came out, if people around me were doing things that were wrong. Yes, as I, I recorded it accurately there, that was the sentiment he was expressing. Yes, sir. So what it bears it comes down to is the president has asked three things of you. He asked for your loyalty, and you said you would be loyally honest. Honestly loyal. Honestly loyal. Um, the, the, he asked you on one occasion to let the Mike Flynn thing go because he was a good guy. By the way, you're aware that he said the exact same thing in the press the next day. He's a good guy. He's been treated unfairly, et cetera, et cetera. So I imagine your FBI agents read that. I'm sure they did. The the president's wishes were known to them, certainly by the next day when he had a press conference with the prime minister. But going back, the three requests were, number one, be loyal. Number two, um, let the Mike Flynn thing go. He's a good guy. He's been treated unfairly. And number three, can you please tell the American people what these leaders in Congress already know, what you already know, what you've told me three times, that I'm not under pers- personally under investigation? Those are the three things he asked. Yes, sir. You know, this investigation is full of leaks left and right. I mean, we've learned more from the newspapers sometimes than we do from our open hearings, for sure. Um, do you ever wonder why, of all the things in this investigation, the only thing that's never been leaked is the fact that the president was not personally under investigation, despite the fact that both Democrats and Republicans and the leadership of Congress knew that and have known that for weeks? I don't know. I find matters that are briefed to the Gang of Eight uh, are pretty tightly held, in my experience. Finally, who are those senior leaders at the FBI that you shared these conversations with? As I said in response to Senator Feinstein's question, uh, Deputy Director, my Chief of Staff, General Counsel, the deputy director's chief counsel, and then more often than not, the number three person at the FBI who's the associate deputy director, and then quite often the head of the national security branch. Senator White. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Comey, welcome. You and I have had significant policy differences over the years, particularly protecting Americans' access to secure encryption. 
But I believe the timing of your firing stinks. And yesterday you put on the record testimony that demonstrates why the odor of presidential abuse of power is so strong. Now to my questions. In talking to Senator Warner about this dinner that you had with the president, I believe January 27th, all in one dinner, the president raised your job prospects, he asked for your loyalty, and denied allegations against him. All took place over one supper. Now, you told Senator Warner that the president was looking to, quote, get something. Looking back, did that dinner suggest that your job might be contingent on how you handled the investigation? I don't know that I'd go that far. I, I got the sense my j job would be contingent upon how he felt I, <clears throat> excuse me, how he felt I conducted myself and whether I demonstrated loyalty. But I don't know whether I go so far as to connect it to he the investigation. You said the president was trying to create some sort of patronage relationship. In a patronage relationship, isn't the underling expected to behave in a manner consistent with the wishes of the boss? Yes. Okay. Or at least consider how what you're doing will affect the boss as a significant consideration. Let me turn to the attorney general. In your statement, you said that you and the FBI leadership team decided not to discuss the president's actions with Attorney General Sessions, even though he had not recused himself. What was it about the Attorney General's own interactions with the Russians or his behavior with regard to the investigation that would have led the entire leadership of the FBI to make this decision? Our judgment, as I recall, was that he was very close to and inevitably going to recuse himself for a variety of reasons. We also were aware of facts that I can't discuss in an open setting that would make his continued engagement in a Russia-related investigation problematic. And so we were, we were convinced, and in fact, I think we'd already heard that the career people were recommending that he recuse himself, that he was not going to be in contact with Russia-related matters much longer. And that turned out to be the case. How would you characterize Attorney General Sessions' adherence to his recusal, in particular with regard to his involvement in your firing, which the President has acknowledged was because of the Russian investigation? That's a question I can't answer. I think it's a reasonable question. If, if as the President said, I was fired because of the Russian investigation, why was the Attorney General involved in that chain? I don't know. And so... Um, I don't have an answer for the question. Your testimony was that the president's request about Flynn could infect the investigation. Had the president got what he wanted and what he asked of you, what would have been the effect on the investigation? Well, we would have closed any investigation of General Flynn in connection with uh, his statements and encounter statements about and encounters with Russians in the late part of December. So, so we, would have, we would have dropped an open criminal investigation. So, in effect, when you talk 
about infecting the enterprise, you would have dropped something major that would have spoken to the overall ability of the American people to get the facts. Correct. And, and as good as our people are, our judgment was we don't want them hearing that the president of the United States wants this to go away because it might have an effect on their ability to be fair and impartial and aggressive. 1310 WIBA continuing coverage of former FBI Director James Comey as he testifies before the Senate Intelligence Committee hearing their uh, Oregon Democrat, uh, Senator Rob Wyden, questioning uh, the former FBI director. Dan, um, you and I obviously have been talking back and forth throughout this yeah. uh, throughout this testimony. Uh, and you and I both uh, both kind of picked up uh, Senator Rubio, who was the previous speaker, um, very pointed and, and, and actually not surprisingly, quite good at, at, at kind of this back and forth and really getting to the point. He synthesized a lot of the issues into a very brief and very, very concise uh, line of questioning. Uh, I find it ironic. It's little Marco was actually uh, created quite a foundation for President Trump. Um, uh, at one moment, Comey is like, we're tough guys. We're FBI agents. McCabe's a very tough guy. But yet I uh, I was in a puddle of my own. Uh, you know, I soiled myself. Uh, I was intimidated in the Oval Office, and that's why I didn't say anything. Um, how's about a simple uh, p- piece of advice to White House counsel? After the meeting, say, listen, uh, he, he's not aware of what he's doing. Inappropriate questioning, inappropriate requests. And um, and now uh, the Oregon senator, uh, his line of questioning saying, you didn't want the uh, FBI troops to find out because you didn't want them to be demoralized. Why didn't you say anything to the DOJ or White House counsel if you were so concerned? And your copious note taking, um, it's been divulged today. Yeah, he didn't do it under the Obama administration when the Obama attorney general is meeting the former president on a tarmac in Phoenix. Enough lies, incidents and uh, embarrassing moments of eight years of Obama, no note-taking, but uh, note-taking with Mr. Trump. Um, I think Mr. Rubio did a great job, and uh, little Marco, uh, I think, in many ways bailed out President Trump on a few fronts, and it's being well-established now. It was an atmospheric intimidation, according to Comey. He didn't really say it, but I felt this way, uh, and I started taking copious notes immediately because, and, and again, the copious notes say, I hope, I feel, and goes on to say that President Trump uh, later down the road said, if you find out any of my satellite staff or administration is doing something with the Russians, lock them up, discover them, investigate them, do what you got to do. Uh, this is going to add up to something very interesting by the end of the day and much more to be discussed tomorrow, I think. And you definitely picked up when, when you when you pointed out you can't convict on the word hope, which was which was a theme yeah. we heard. We heard uh, an earlier senator uh, touching on as well. A lot of questions, too, about would he or would, won't he? Donald Trump so far, the president of the United States has not tweeted, although uh, Donald <laughs> Jr. has been tweeting, so we will follow that. Uh, we're going to check back in with the uh, with the Senate Intelligence Committee next, right here on 1310 WIBA. 1310 WIBA continuing coverage of former FBI Director James Comey's testimony before the Senate Intelligence Committee. Right now, uh, Maine Senator Susan Collins is questioning the former director. Vis-a-vis the FBI. In general, I did. I spoke to the Attorney General and I spoke to the new Deputy Attorney General, Mr. Rosenstein, when he took office and explained my serious concern about the way in which the President. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is interacting especially with the FBI and I specifically as I said in my testimony I asked the told the attorney general it can't happen that you get kicked out of the room and the president talks to me but look in the room and and but why didn't we raise the specific it was of investigative interest to us to try and figure out so what just happened uh, with the president's request so I would not have wanted to alert the White House that it had happened until we figured out what are we going to do with this investigatively your testimony was that you went to Attorney General Sessions and said, don't ever leave me alone with him again. Are you saying that you also told him that he had made a request that you let it go with regard to part of the investigation of Michael Flynn? No, I specifically did not. I did not. You mentioned that from your very first meeting with the president, you decided to write a memo memorializing the conversation. What was it about that very first meeting that made you write a memo when you had not done that with two previous presidents? As I said, a, a combination of things. Uh, a gut feeling is an important overlay on the, but the circumstances that I was alone, the subject matter, and the nature of the person that I was interacting with, and my read of that person. And, yeah, and, and, and really just a gut feel laying on top of all of that, that this, it's going to be important to protect this organization that I make records of this. And finally, did you show copies of your memos to anyone outside of the Department of Justice? Yes. And to whom did you show copies? I asked, um, President tweeted on Friday after I got fired that I better hope there's not tapes. I woke up in the middle of the night on Monday night, because it didn't dawn on me originally, that there might be corroboration for our conversation. There might be a tape. And my judgment was I needed to get that out into the public square. And so I asked a friend of mine to share the content of the memo with a reporter. Didn't do it myself for a variety of reasons, but I asked him to because I thought that might prompt the appointment of a special counsel. And so I asked a close friend of mine to do it. And was that Mr. Wittes? No, uh, no. Who was that? A good friend of mine who's a professor at Columbia Law School. Thank you. Senator Heinrich. Mr. Comey, uh, prior to January 27th of this year, have you ever had um, a one-on-one -on -one meeting or, or a private dinner with a president of the United States? No. I met dinner, no. I had two one-on-ones with President Obama that I laid out in my testimony, once to talk about law enforcement issues, law enforcement and race, which was an important topic throughout for me and for the president, and then once very briefly for him to say goodbye. Were those brief interactions? No. The one about law enforcement and race and policing, we spoke for probably over an hour, just okay. the two of us. How unusual is it to have um, a one-on-one -on -one dinner with the president? Did that strike you as odd? Yeah, so much so that I assumed there would be others, that he couldn't possibly be having dinner with me alone. 
Um, if do you have an impression that if you had found, uh, if you had behaved differently in that dinner, and uh, I am quite pleased that you did not, but if you had found a way to express some sort of uh, expression of loyalty or given some uh, suggestion that the Flynn criminal investigation might um, be pursued less vigorously, do you think you would have still been fired? I don't know. I, it, it's impossible to say looking back. I don't know. But you felt like those two things were, were directly relevant to your um, the kind of relationship that the president was seeking to establish with you? Sure, yes. Yeah. Um, the, the president has repeatedly talked about the Russian investigation into the U.S. Uh, or the Russian, Russia's involvement in the U.S. election cycle as a hoax and as fake news. Can you talk a little bit about what you saw as FBI director, and obviously only the parts that you can share in this setting, uh, that, uh, that demonstrate how serious this action actually was and why there was an investigation in the first place? Yes, sir. The, there should be no fuzz on this whatsoever. The Russians interfered in our election during the 2016 cycle. They did it with purpose. They did it with sophistication. They did it with overwhelming technical efforts. And it was an active measures campaign driven from the top of that government. There is no fuzz on that. It is a high-confidence judgment of the entire intelligence community. And, and the members of this committee have uh, seen the intelligence. It's not a close call. That happened. That's about as unfake as you can possibly get and is very, very serious, which is why it's so refreshing to see a bipartisan focus on that, because this is about America, not about any particular party. So that was a hostile act by the Russian government against this country? Yes, sir. Did the president, in any of those interactions that you've um, shared with us today, ask you what you should be doing or what our government should be doing or the intelligence community to protect America against Russian interference in our election system? I don't recall a conversation like that. Never? No. Do you, do you find not with, it not odd? With, not with President Trump. Right. I attended a fair number of meetings on that with uh, President Obama. Do you find it odd that the president seemed unconcerned by Russia's actions in our election? I, I can't answer that because I don't know what other conversations he had with other advisors or other intelligence community leaders. So I, I, I just don't know sitting here. Did you have any interactions with the president that suggested he was taking that hostile action seriously? I don't remember any interactions with the president other than the initial briefing on January the 6th, I don't remember, could be wrong, but I don't remember any conversations with him at all about that. As you're very aware, um, it was only the two of you in the room for that dinner. Uh, you've told us that the president asked you to back off the Flynn investigation. The president told a reporter. Not in that dinner. Oh, sure. Fair enough. Told the reporter he did, never did that. Uh, you've testified that the president asked for your loyalty in that dinner. The White House denies that. Um, a lot of this comes down to who should we believe. Do you want to say anything as to why we should believe you? 
probably my mother raised me not to say things like this about myself, so I'm not going to. Um, I think people should look at the whole body of my testimony, mm-hmm. because as I used to say to juries, that when I talked about a witness, you can't cherry pick it. You can't say, I like these things he said, but on this, he's a he's a dirty, rotten liar. Right. You got to take it all together. And I've tried to be open and fair and transparent and accurate. A really significant fact to me is, so why did he kick everybody out of the Oval Office? Why would you kick the attorney general, the president, the chief of staff out to talk to me if it was about something else? And so that that to me is as an investigator is a very significant fact. And as we look at at testimony or as communication from both of you, we should probably be looking for consistency. Well, in looking at any witness, you look at consistency, track record, demeanor, um, record over time, that sort of thing. Thank you. 10 WIBA continuing coverage here. A former FBI director, James Comey, as he testifies before the Senate Intelligence Committee. We'll get reaction from Dan and then rejoin the senators next here on 1310 WIBA. 1310 WIBA continuing coverage of former FBI director James Comey as he testifies before the Senate Intelligence Committee. Dan Connery, of course, joining us right now. Dan, uh, obviously, it's uh, we're kind of getting at that point where some of the questioning gets a little bit repetitive. Anything uh, jumping out at you right now? I just think uh, I'm looking at the two camps now. Let's be honest. The two camps are the Republicans and the Democrats. And did either side establish what their uh, uh, their beliefs and what their narrative, what they feel it should be? Uh, I don't think the Democrats succeeded in today in uh, in, in divulging uh, anything uh, more than President Trump being inexperienced, uh, not very eloquent. And uh, certainly not a legal eagle as far as uh, clearing the room. Everybody's questioning that uh, that has been uh, discussed with uh, Senator Collins and and former director Comey. Uh, You know, everybody, you know, Sean, everybody's going to look at this from their uh, uh, their paradigm. Mm -hmm. And and I think Marco Rubio was probably the best line of questioning thus far. I don't think they've established anything so nefarious than a guy who's gotten a new job and he wants to speak to speak to the director. And let's not forget both sides of the aisle were calling for this man's resignation and or termination from the previous administration because of uh, what we all considered very strange behavior from an FBI director. Uh, very, very strange cat. That's the word I used several weeks ago. Um, uh, I, did I think, uh, do I feel that uh, Comey uh, articulated some inappropriate behavior? Yeah, I, and again, I guess that before the testimony. And uh, certainly President Trump is not an experienced uh, uh, government official and uh, certainly not a lawyer. And uh, I, I really wish Comey had the uh, the courage to talk to White House counsel uh, in a, uh, in, in a uh, professorial way to, to instruct uh, the administration what it does and what it doesn't do. Um, and no doubt my mind. He said, hey, can we lay off uh, uh, General Flynn? No doubt in my mind that was said. No doubt. But uh, are we at Watergate level uh, crimes here, according to Mr. Clapper uh, yesterday and the day before? Absolute nonsense. There's nothing here. And that's what's going to be determined at the end of this thing. And 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 it's interesting that you and I both kind of picked up on the same kind of line of questioning with Susan Collins. And and it's not surprisingly had two very different uh, takeaways is when I when 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 James Comey thought it was a a very I think his term was a very significant fact um, uh, is as uh, what that that when they asked everybody to leave he said why the heck did you kick everybody out of the office and and i guess to me 
uh, it would make sense they're talking national security, but they're talking about this issue, which which in certain uh, certain ways could be portrayed as as a violation of the law and saying these are your people. Why yeah. would you kick your people out of the office? These are th- this is your support team. Unless and you knew what you were about to ask was was wrong, possibly illegal. You, po- you pose a fair question. You pose a very, very fair question. But the problem is, uh, Mr. Trump, after having the honest conversation that Mr. Comey uh, discussed saying, if any of my people did anything wrong regarding mm-hmm. the Russia investigation, and if any of my satellites did anything wrong, go after them, do what they got to do, and I want to know about it. And that, so that was articulated in the media the next day as well. Your question is fair, but the following behavior tells me, again, uh, let's try to meet the legal standard. That's not there. But again, we, we have our biases, and we certainly uh, will probably arrive at the, some different conclusions. But I... <laughs> I, uh, I I I get it's a fair question, and, and I'm not going to sit here and say you're wrong. And what's going to be uh, very fun is tomorrow when you and I uh, get back together and kind of and kind of rehash this and kind of because there's been as, as as much as as some of this is getting repetitive. There's been a lot of nuggets as you've been listening to 1310 yeah. WIBA, a lot of stuff to go over. And definitely, we'll be talking about that. Um, Dan, we'll uh, we'll check back in as things warrant, and of course, uh, continuing coverage of the former FBI Director James Comey as he testifies before the Senate Intelligence Committee. We will. Pick that up next year on 1310 WIBA. 1310 WIBA, continuing coverage of James Comey's testimony before the Senate Intelligence Committee. Jumping in now, Senator Angus King, an independent from Maine, is asking questions of the former FBI director. He is a central figure in this entire investigation of the relationship between the Trump campaign and the Russians. I can't answer that in an open setting, sir. Uh, and uh, certainly Mr. Flynn was part of the so-called Russian investigation. Can you answer that question? I have to give you the same answer. All right. Uh, We'll be having a closed session shortly, so we will follow up on that. In terms of his comments to you about, uh, I think in response to Mr. Risch, Senator Risch, he said, I hope you will hold back on that. But when you get a when a president of the United States in the Oval Office says something like "I hope" or "I suggest" or or "Would you," do you take that as a as a as a directive? Yes, yes, it rings in my ear as kind of "Will no one rid me of this meddlesome priest?" It, I was just going to quote that in 1170, December 29, Henry II said, "Who will rid me of this meddlesome priest?" And then the next day, he was killed. Thomas Beckett. That's exactly the same situation. You're. We're thinking along the same lines. Uh, Several other uh, uh, questions, and these are a little bit more detailed. What do you know about the Russian bank VEB? Nothing that I can talk about in an open setting. Well, I know it exists. I know it exists. (laughs) Yes, sir. You know it exists. what is the relationship of ambassador, uh, uh, the ambassador from Russia to the United States to the Russian intelligence uh, infrastructure? Well, he's a diplomat who is the chief of mission at the Russian embassy, which employs a robust uh, cohort of intelligence officers. And so surely he's witting of their very, very aggressive intelligence operations, at least some of it in the United States. I don't, I don't consider him to be an intelligence officer himself. He's a diplomat. Did you ever, did the FBI ever brief the Trump administration about the, the uh, advisability of interacting uh, directly with Ambassador Kislyak? 
think all I can say sitting here is there were a variety of defensive briefings given to the incoming administration about the counterintelligence risk. Back to Mr. Flynn. Would the would closing out the Flynn investigation have impeded the overall Russian investigation? No. Unlikely, except to the extent there's always a possibility if you have a criminal case against someone and you bring it and squeeze them, you flip them and they give you information about something else. But I saw the two as uh, touching each other, but separate. Uh, with regard to your memos, isn't it true that in a, in a court case when you're weighing evidence, contemporaneous memos and contemporane, contemporaneous statements to third parties are considered probative in terms of the, the, uh, the uh, validity of, of testimony? Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Senator Cotton. Or excuse me, Senator Langford. Well, Director Comey, good to see you again. You too. We've had multiple opportunities to be able to visit, as everyone on this dais has. And uh, I appreciate you and your service and what you have done uh, for the nation for a long time, which you continue to do. I've told you before, in the heat of last year, when we had opportunities to visit personally, that I pray for you and for your family, because you do carry a tremendous amount of stress. And uh, that is still t- true today. Thank you. Let me, uh, let me walk through a couple of things with you. Uh, your notes are obviously exceptionally important, uh, because they give a very rapid account uh, of what you what you wrote down and what you perceived happened in those different meetings. Uh, have you had the opportunity to be able to reference those notes when you were preparing the written statement that you put for us today? Yes. I, uh, yes. I think nearly all of my written uh, recordings of my conversations I had a chance to review them before uh, filing my statement. Do you have a copy of any of those notes personally? I don't. I turned them over to Bob Mueller's um, investigators. The individual that you uh, told about your memos uh, that then was sent on to the New York Times, did they have a copy of those memos or were they told orally of those memos? Had a copy. I had a copy at the time. Do they, do they still have a copy of those memos? It's a good question. I think so. I guess I can't say for sure sitting here, but I, I, I guess I don't know, but I think so. So the question is, could you ask them to hand that copy right back to you so you could hand them over to this committee? Potentially. I, I would like to move that from potential to see if we can ask that question uh, so we can have a copy of those. Obviously, those notes are exceptionally important to us uh, to be able to go through the process so we can we can continue to get to the facts as, as we see it. As you know, the written documents are exceptionally important. Yeah. Are there other documents that we need to be aware of that you used in your preparation for your written statement that we should also have that would assist us in helping with this? Not that I'm aware of, no. Um, past the February the 14th meeting, uh, which is a very important meeting, obviously, as we discuss the conversations here about Michael Flynn. When the president asked you uh, about he hopes that you would let this go, and the conversation back and forth about him being a good guy. After that time, did the president ever bring up anything about Michael Flynn again to you? You had multiple other conversations you have documented with the president. No, I don't remember him ever bringing it up again. Did any member of the White House staff ever come to you and talk to you about letting go of the Michael Flynn case or dropping it or anything referring to that? No. Nope. Did the director of national intelligence come to you and talk to you about that? No. Did anyone from the attorney general's office, the Department of Justice, ask you about that? No. Uh, did the head of NSA talk to you about that? No. The, the key aspect here is if, if this seems to be something the president's trying to get you to drop it, this seems like a pretty light touch to drop it, 
to bring it up at that moment the day after he had just fired Flynn to come back in and say, I hope we can let this go. But then it never reappears again. Did, did it slow down your investigation or any investigation that may or may not be occurring with Michael Flynn? No, although I don't know there are any manifestations, outward manifestations of the investigation between February 14th and when I was fired. So I, I don't know that the president would have any way of knowing whether it was effective or not. Okay. That's fair enough. If, uh, if the president wanted to stop an investigation, how would he do that? Uh, knowing it's an ongoing criminal investigation or counterintelligence investigation, would that be a matter of trying to go to you, you perceive, and to say you make it stop because he doesn't have the authority to stop? Or how, how would the president make an ongoing investigation stop? Again, I'm not a legal scholar, so smarter people answer this better. But I think as a legal matter, the president is the head of the executive branch and could direct, in theory, we have important norms against this, but direct that anybody be investigated or anybody not be investigated. I think he has the legal authority because all of us ultimately report in the executive branch up to the president. Okay. Would that be to you? Would that be to the attorney general? Would that be to who that would do that? I suppose he could do it to – if you want to issue a direct order, could do it in any way. Could do it through the attorney general or issue it directly to me. Well, is there any question that the president is not real fond of this investigation? I can think of multiple 140-word character expressions that he's done publicly to express he's not fond of the investigations. I've heard you share before in this conversation that you're trying to keep the agents that are working on it away from any comment the president might have made. Quite frankly, the president has informed around 6 billion people that he's not real fond of this investigation. Do you think there's a difference in that? Yes. Okay. What I think there's be? a big difference in kicking superior officers out of the Oval Office, looking the FBI director in the eye and saying, I hope you let this go. I think if, our, if the agents, as good as they are, heard the president of the United States did that, you. there's a real risk of a chilling effect on their work. That's okay. why we kept it so tight. Okay. Um, you, you had mentioned before about some news stories and news accounts. Without having to go into all the names in the uh, specific times and to be able to dip into all that, have there been news accounts about the Russian investigation, about collusion, uh, about this whole event uh, or accusations that as you read the story, you were stunned about how wrong they got the facts? Yes. There have been many, many stories purportedly based on classified information about well, about lots of stuff, but especially about Russia, that are just dead wrong. I was interested in your comment that you made as well, that the president said to you, if there were some satellite associates of his that did something wrong, it would be good to find that out. That the president seemed to talk to you specifically on March the 30th and say, I'm frustrated that the word is not getting out that I'm not under investigation. But if there are people that are in my circle that are, Let's finish the investigation. Is that how you took it as yes, well? Yes, sir. Yes. And then you made a comment earlier about um, the attorney general, uh, previous attorney general, uh, asking you about the uh, investigation on the Clinton emails, saying that you've been asked not to call it an investigation anymore, but to call it a matter. And you had said that confused you. Can you give us additional details on that? Well, it concerned me. Because we were at the point where we had refused to confirm the existence, as we typically do, of an investigation for months. And it was getting to a place where that looked silly because the campaigns were talking about interacting with the FBI in the course of our work. The, the Clinton campaign at the time was using all kinds of euphemisms, 
security review matters, things like that, for what was going on, we were getting to a place where the Attorney General and I were both going to have to testify and talk publicly about it. And I want to know, was she going to authorize us to confirm we had an investigation? And she said, yes, but don't call it that. Call it a matter. And I said, why would I do that? And she said, just call it a matter. And again, you look back in hindsight, you think, should I have resisted harder? I just said, all right, isn't worth, this isn't a hill worth dying on. And so I just said, okay, the press is going to completely ignore it. And that's what happened when I said, we have opened a matter. They all reported the FBI has an investigation open. Uh, and so that concerned me because that language tracked the way the campaign was talking about the FBI's work. And that, that's concerning. It gave the impression that the campaign was somehow using the same language as the FBI because you were handed the campaign language and told yeah. to be able to use the campaign. Whether, and again, I don't know whether it was intentional or not, but it gave the impression that the attorney general was looking to align the way we talked about our work with the way a political campaign was describing the same activity, which was inaccurate. We had a criminal investigation open, with, as I've said before, the Federal Bureau of Investigation. We had an investigation open at the time, and so that gave me a queasy feeling. Thank you. Senator Manchin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you, Mr. Comey. I appreciate very much you being here. Uh, West Virginians are very interested in this uh, in, in this uh, hearing that we're having today. I've had over 600 requests for questions to ask you <laughs> from my fellow West Virginians, and most of them have been asked. And there's quite a few of them that were quite detailed while asking our uh, classified hearing. I want to thank you, first of all, for coming and agreeing to be here volunteering, but also volunteering to stay into the classified hearing. I don't know if you had a chance to watch our hearing yesterday. I uh, watched part of it, yes, watch. sir. And it was quite troubling. Um, my colleagues here had some very pointed questions they wanted answers to. They weren't classified. They could have answered in this open setting. They refused to do so. So that even much makes us much more appreciative of your cooperation. Um, Sir, the seriousness of the Russian aggressions in, in our past elections and knowing that it will be ongoing, as Senator King had alluded to, uh, does, what, what's your concerns there? I mean, what, what should the American public understand? People said, well, this is a – why are we worried about this? Why make this a big deal out of this Russian investigation? Can you tell me what your thoughts yes, would be? Sir. And then the final thing is on this same topic. Did the president ever show any concern or interest or curiosity about what the Russians were doing? Uh, thank you, Senator. As I said earlier, I don't remember any conversations with the president about the Russia uh, election interference. Did he ever ask you any questions concerning this? Well, there was an initial briefing of our findings, and I think there was conversation there. I don't remember it exactly, uh, where he asked questions about what we had found and what our sources were and what our confidence level 1310 was. 1310 WIBA hearing former FBI Director James Comey testifying before the Senate Intelligence Committee. I've been hearing him say a couple of times now, as I've said earlier, to quote him, um, a lot of uh, a lot of questions uh, for him this morning, a lot of them now getting repeated. Rush Limbaugh will come your way uh, at 11 o'clock. He'll continue the coverage of former FBI Director. James Comey's testimony before the Senate Intelligence Committee. You will hear that right here on 1310 WIBA. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.